and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and sitting across with, uh, from me here in the studio, live and in living color, Ray Jewell. <laughs> well, at least it's living. I don't know how colorful. Well, well it's not okay. even live either. This is it, recorded. It is recorded. I mean, that's a good thing, and it's a good thing nobody can actually see. Now, eventually, I think we'll we'll be more than happy to be on because we'll be slim, <laughs> yeah, mean, lean fighting machine, lean, mean fighting well, machine. Yeah, so once we're, we're back in our fighting weight, we'll uh, yeah, you know, and we'll start playing Rocky <laughs> as the theme song. <laughs> anyway, no, that's going to cost money. It's good, but, to be, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, our last uh, edition of the misused Bible verses. Yeah, yeah. well, it should be our last. I don't know if we get carried away with one of these. Uh, we could go into an eighth episode, but the plan is to wrap things up today. Oh, we got it. And so we've um, we've been talking about this list from uh, the book, The Most Misused Verses in the Bible, Surprising Ways God's Word is Misunderstood by Eric J. Barkerhoff. And I hope if you haven't got that book already that you'll get it. We'll have some other uh, resources at the end. But Ray, let's jump into Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. I'm going to read it here in the ESV. Keep your heart with all with all uh, vigilance. Vigilance. Why did I say vigilance? Good night. <laughs> and, and you teach high school. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> can we edit this out? You know the people who edit this later. Uh, right, whatever. Right. All right. Anyway. Note to self. Uh, where are we? Keep your heart with all vigilance. Vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Okay. All right. We started off on a bad foot there with a misread, but anyway. Uh, I did learn how to read at some point. So, keep your heart, or some translations, I grew up in the King James, guard your guard heart. Your heart. Yeah. Um, the Steve Green song comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, too bad we don't have money to play that. But, maybe we could play a little, I don't know, whatever. <coughs> Usually, if you, if you give credit, you can quote. That uh, I can quote, that, but that I would, play that the music. That would be a quote. Anyway. So what does it mean to guard your heart? I've heard this, you know, this is where you've got to be careful about your emotions, right? Well, I mean, the... Uh, That's why you don't watch Hallmark movies. 20, <laughs> the 21st century uh, definition of heart is wrapped up in emotion, yes. Yeah. And, you know, and love, you know, I can fall in love, I can fall out of love, right. uh, wishy-washy... You know, I'm hot, I'm hot one day and I'm cold the next um, when it comes to my emotions and stuff. And it's, you know, it's pretty flimsy way to live. Yeah. What the Bible is referring to here, and often in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word heart means the center of your will. The, yeah. You know, it's often would be the word guts or... Um, that kind of thing. It's what drives you day in and day out. Something that is based on more than how you feel. Yeah, Max Enders in his uh, commentary says it's the whole personality, mm-hmm. the inner life of a person. So it's it, and other sources, you know, it's 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 also includes the intellect. It's not just an emotional response to something. Well, it's your intellect. <coughs> it's your volition. It's all yeah. those things. It's not just feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we uh, can get. <laughs> Frankly, then that's how I think a lot of people come to understand God. He's a capricious God because 
he's like us instead of us being like him. Yeah. If he's like us, then he's got he's got good days and bad days, and one day he might cause it to snow and whatnot, and out of anger, or the next day, well, you know, we got a wonderful day here. Thank God for that. Well, I'm not saying don't thank God. Yeah. But let's not ascribe um, mankind traits to God Almighty. Yeah. I think, you know, the whole idea of guarding your heart, I think some people have taken to mean you've got to be careful about what you allow in, which I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be careful what you allow your mind to concentrate on. You have to be careful of what you allow in your system. Um, but I've heard this used uh, to say things like, you know, you shouldn't get too close to people. you got to guard your heart. Right. You shouldn't and let too many people in. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, the problem with that, again, which is often the problem with all of these, is it flies in the face of the whole counsel of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are told to confess our sins to one another, to be accountable to each other, to to yeah. care for each other, to love for each other, to to weep at those who weep, to to laugh at those who laugh. We do a lot of that around here. Sure. But uh, you know, to really have community, we can't be putting up these walls, which right. is the American way. I am the king of my castle, right. or uh, you know. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't care what it does to anybody else. Yeah, and that's that's a a, a troubling thing that, frankly, I've been involved in that kind of behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, as we were talking on raining and raid, that kind of lifestyle of where I you know eating incorrectly. That's a selfish thing, and that's I think that's the 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 point of it is when we. View it that way, we're guarding our heart. It's a selfish response. We're trying to protect ourselves. We're not trying to get out there and be what God has called us to be, his people. Right. And I think we have to, uh, two, two points I'd want to make. Number one, when you're in ministry, when you're in communion with each other, you're always going to have that possibility of someone, quote unquote, breaking your heart, someone letting right. you down. Right, exactly. But we can't let that diminish the community that God wants us to have, the relationships God wants you to have within his body, with his people. It's a fear thing. Yeah. You know, we're afraid of getting hurt, or we're afraid of being let down. Or Well, don't be afraid of it, because it's going to happen. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable. And uh, I just... You go on, you try to mend those fences if it does happen. Yeah. Instead of... And so, well, you know, he, he hurt me this time. I'm not going to believe in him again. I'm not going to forgive yeah. this person. I'm not going to forget anything that he did. And you run away from a situation that God could use for his glory. Everything that God does, and ultimately then everything that we are supposed to do, is to bring glory to God. Yeah. I think the other, the, the other part, too, of my statement there that I wanted to bring out is that guarding your heart may also mean um, not just protection, but maintenance. And be careful what comes out of that thing. Mm -hmm. um, because Jesus himself talks about that idea that... Um, what flows our, out of a Yeah, man. what flows out of In Matthew yeah. 12, um, he talks about that. And so we have to be careful what comes out of our own heart. Guard it almost like, okay, I... I 
I shouldn't maybe express everything that's on my mind. I shouldn't give uh, voice to every thought I have, or maybe I shouldn't act on every impulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I have to think through things first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to guard in the sense of I know we have this, this idea of the heart is pure, but it's the outward stuff that's bad. Almost like a platonic, yeah, not platonic, right. but uh, you know, dealing with Plato. Plato, yeah. The, um, not the, the kid's toy, Plato. The, the dual, dualism. Yeah, the dualism, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we are trapped in the body of our, the prison of our mm-hmm. body or whatever. It's such and a Gnostic thought. It is. And, and so we have to be careful that, you know, we, we have this idea that we're, if, I've heard people say, if people just knew who I was on the inside, well, the heart's deceitfully wicked above all, yeah. uh, Jeremiah says. And so I don't want people to know every thought that I have. I don't want people to know the real me sometimes because the real me is a sinful person. Well, and we do, you know, we've had this discussion before. I grew up playing church. Yeah. You know, I knew that I'd get in trouble at home if I acted up at, uh, at church on Sunday. And I mean, I wasn't the only one that was holding up a mask. Right. But an interesting thing happened this, to me this week. I, well, you, you may remember uh, Father Earl Sias from the Anglican Church. You might have yeah, met him. Yeah, I He and I were talking about that. And uh, one of the things he suggested is to have a notebook. I won't, probably won't ever do a notebook. But if you've got ideas coming through your brain, write them down. And then lay them aside. Come back to them the next day. Hmm. And then decide, okay, this is somewhere, this is something I could pursue. Yeah. Or this is something, you know, it, it belongs in the trash can. Yeah. And I think that that could be helpful for all of us. Just the fact that we're, we're wanting to be disciplined enough in this part of our lives to understand the ramifications, flesh it out, instead of being knee jerk reacting. I've been guilty of that. It's, T-A-C-T that I have lacked yeah. in the past. You're so quick to agree when I confess no, my sins. I'm ready. I'm there. <laughs> I, I could have done that for you. <laughs> and you know, so for me personally, and I mean, I don't, you know, it's not about me, but I can get on a roll, and you've witnessed that, even in class. Yeah. Now, knowing or having a way to stop that is important because that's I don't why want, I have to rein you in. Well, that's that's the whole premise of that, yeah. Um, but like the other day when we were in Mrs. Woodman's class and she came in when she did, and it was like boom, I knew right then. Yeah, the the uh, the goofy form of teaching that we were right. involved in had to come to a stop, and it was perfect timing because I had other things I had to go do anyway. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, those are the kinds of things that. We need each other. I think that's what part of what a community is too. Yeah. Is, but to be open and honest, to, uh, like in our in our life group, yeah, we're pretty open and honest. I mean, we are telling each other things that can't be aired on this podcast, right? <laughs> that nobody else would know, and and that's a good thing because then we have three guys who are helping to keep us accountable. Right. Well, let's move on here. I know we need um, to. I want to tell you a story, Ray. You're going to tell me a story? All right. I like stories. Years ago, Mm -hmm. I was preaching at a church. Good little church. It wasn't huge, but it was was a good church. I felt like they may have been going in the wrong direction, but whatever. They had me preach. And 
above, when you walk into the church, right above the doorway, it has the verse here, Proverbs 29:18, um, where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm-hmm. And that was a couple of years ago. I decided to go back to that church a little while ago, whatever happened to them. And I had trouble finding it. I had to search for it. Oh, the church? Yeah. And okay. so I, got, I, I drove in. I finally found it. It just didn't look right. And I was wading through trash and whatnot to get through this church. And I finally saw the church. And it'd be clear that the church had shut down. No one was mm-hmm. there anymore. And I looked up. You know what I saw? What formerly said, where there is no vision, the people perish. The W had kind of fallen down, so it says, here, there mm. is no vision. <laughs> people, the perish. people perish. Okay, that's not a true story. I didn't but, think so. <laughs> um, I, I, I read that in a, in a sermon illustration book years ago when I was yeah. in college. Um, <laughs> um Proverbs. It, it, it was a good fairy tale, though. <laughs> yes, but you know, the, you know, the amazing thing is I've heard that story told many times yes. in the first person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of those out there. All right, I want to read this verse. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in ESV, it says, um, so Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, mm-hmm. the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And Ray, you and I were talking about uh, different translations right. uh, translate that differently. Well, the King James Version and the New American Standard Version use the word vision. The uh, Revised Standard Version uses the word prophecy. The New International Version uses the word revelation. And then the voice, is, which is a much newer, I think, 2012 or around there when it was uh, put out, vision from God yeah the word is revelation not vision so we're not talking about I have a dream no though often the vision that is talked about is through a dream but it's God's speaking right this to is people not yeah. this is not you having a vision of I want a church that has 500 people in it I'm right I remember Countless sermons in college, I remember hearing that you've got to have a vision for your church. You've got to have a vision for mm-hmm. for this. What is your vision? And if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a goal that you're moving, you don't have a dream that you're trying to accomplish, then the people are going to perish. Yeah. Um, you That's know, just not the case. Well, to use this verse to go there is inappropriate. Yeah, I'm not saying don't have a vision statement. You, any organization should have a good vision statement, but don't, you know. I think what God would have us do is to be faithful to Him. Yeah, and that's more important. Yeah. Following the Word right. is more important. In fact, Keel and Dielich in their their uh, their commentary on this verse, uh, they rephrase it: without spiritual preaching, proceeding from spiritual experience. A people is unrestrained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not talking about people paralyzed. People are going to die without... But people, without the word of God, people are going to be left to their own devices, mm-hmm. and their sin nature is going to take over. Mm-hmm. That's why we need to be preaching the word mm-hmm. so that people understand what God expects from them. Well, right. It's, it's a mat- it, is, it is a life or death matter. 
spiritually. Yes, yes. And then ultimately physically too, because you know God made us this whole people. But the the idea that God gave me this vision to start this church can become so self-centered. Yeah. And I've seen it. You've yeah. seen it. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's so self-centered that somehow God is no longer a part of the equation. Doesn't and, have to be. And well, yeah, because it's not His vision; yeah. it's my vision. Right. And you know, and using God then to back up my vision. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, you know, it's much more important. Well, not just more important; it's the right thing to do. Right. To let God be in the driver's seat, and you just yeah. you know, you sit in the back seat and let Him steer you in the direction yeah. He wants to take. We see whatever the vision doing. of God in His Word. Right. Um, we need to be word driven, not goal driven. Exactly, and that, that's where we come. I come back to this, things like faithfulness. You know, how does God measure success? Well, He doesn't measure it by the bottom the bottom line like corporate America does, or like a lot of American churches seem to with all their pizzazz and whatnot. Yeah. God's idea of success is how faithful we were right. to the vision that he gives us, his revelation. Anything that that I think might be from God, one of the first things I need to do is think through, and so is this is this consistent with the revealed word that yeah. we have. That you know, God reveals himself in his creation, yes. The you know, the technical term is general revelation, and then you got yeah. the specific revelation which is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You know, there's there's a reason why the Gospel of John talks about Jesus as the Word. Right. He is the Word. Yeah. <laughs> he is the one that we the need to line. measure everything against in our life. Yeah, so this is not telling you to have a vision, have a goal, and move toward that goal. That's John Maxwell. That's uh, Tony Robbins. That's, you know... The leaders, uh, most leadership groups. Right. Uh, inspirational way. literature. Mm -hmm. That's not Scripture. It's right. Scripture that ought to lead us. Mm -hmm. And as we are proclaiming the Word of God, people will listen, and God will use His Word to convict His people. Right. And there's nothing wrong with having vision statements, but if that becomes what drives you, yeah. then for Christians, that's that's a big problem. It's not having your little niche. I think sometimes that's what the vision statements are about. Mm -hmm. How is my church going to be different than the other church? Yeah. Well, um, you know, that's not that's not what we're worried about. We want we want to faithfully preach the word, proclaim Jesus. Evangelize the lost. Well, you look at what what does it say in Acts two after the day of Pentecost sermon? You probably have this memorized better than I do. Uh, they they continued in the apostles' teaching, the breaking yeah. of bread, uh, gathering yeah, for worship, fellowship, and in prayer. Yeah. And if if that is not who we are, then who are we? Right. <laughs> Once we leave that, we're, we're leaving the New Testament church. Right. So. Exactly. All right. Well, right after seven weeks, we're down to our last verse. Are we going to make it through it? We are. We oh, are going wow. to do this. So John chapter 12 is where I am turning right now. And I have to admit, when I was reading this at first, like, 
I don't know if I've heard this taken out of context too much, but I, but I have a feeling where, uh, where, where this was heading. So John chapter 12 and um, verse 32, the final verse on our list, says this, And I, when I am lifted up <clears throat> from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So this is in the context of Jesus. This is the last week of Jesus. He's entered. This is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Um, so if he if he is lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. I hear this phrase most often associated with worship. If I lift up Jesus, the name of Jesus, if I lift up him in our worship time, and I lift up him in whatever, then he'll draw people to himself. Mm-hmm. But that's not what this is talking about. No, we we it, actually we worship Christ because of what He did at yeah. the cross. Yeah. So you know, by extrapolation, maybe, but primarily, this is Jesus is telling his who's in the audience there. Is that like oh, well, that's during His uh, Last Supper discourse, right? John um, twelve. I don't. Think oh no, it's leading yet. up no. to it. Not quite yet. Okay, so what he's saying is, it's it's all about the cross. That's the context. Um, you know, people hear this voice. It's a, a, you know, the voice of God or the voice of an angel. Come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out? And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to himself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Yeah. So, okay. So the counter-argument comes from the crowd. We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. And then he's just he's continually pointing back to himself. This is probably one of the main places that Jesus yeah. equates himself with God. Well, and he's talking clearly about his death. Right. Um, even, I think, you know, the language reminds me of uh, earlier in John chapter 3. Um, and as Moses was lifted, lifted up a certain serpent in the mm-hmm. wilderness, mm-hmm. so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. So the lifting up is Christ on the cross. It's not just a worship thing. Right. Uh, but we're talking about Jesus dying on the cross, and in that moment, He draws all men to Himself. Hmm. Sounds where, Arminian to me. It does it to me, <laughs> because I think it, what the answer to your question before is really important. Who's He talking to? Yeah. He's talking to not only Jews, but He's also talking to Greeks. Right. In this passage. Right. And uh, they'd come to to come and see Jesus and worship Him. So He's talking to Jews and Gentiles. And mm-hmm. see, that's what I take that to mean. Because uh, he draws all men. In fact, if you look at the, the Greek where the word draw, it's used in other places talking about like it's drawing water, water from a right, well. Right, right. So it's a, it's a control. Jesus is bringing people to himself. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's talking about this is, again, in, in church history, it's a, it's a weird time where um, the church now is composed of not just Jews, but Jews and Gentiles. The people that we have been told, Ephesians 2, these were afar off. These were people that were uh, we were told to stay away from, but now because of the death of Christ, that wall that separated them has been destroyed. That barrier that stood in their way is now off, and they've been invited to come uh, and partake in the body of Christ. Yeah, what's what's interesting though is verse thirty-four. 
because the Gentiles wouldn't have bothered asking or making this statement. We've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? I mean, they are questioning what he just taught. The Messiah, the Gentiles, unless they had been proselytized to Judaism, wouldn't have known that. I'm not disagreeing with you, but sure. I'm saying that the response, the knee-jerk reaction to this comes from Jews, people who have been embedded right. with Judaism, who had an understanding of the Messiah that was pretty prevalent in first century Palestine for the for Jewish people. I mean, the apostles struggled with this. How can God's Messiah which you seem to be acquainting yourself with, you know, who is the Son of Man? Well, that's his self-designation for the role that he's going to play as Messiah. How can he die? He's supposed to come and conquer and, and break the chains away from us, from the Romans, or from whoever's dominating us at the time. And, uh, you know, so it's, I think there's some of both in that, um, and that's uh, an important distinction. But, the fact that he draws everybody to himself, I, I, it's, it's open to all. Well, I, 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 even as Calvinists, I would say salvation is open to anyone who believes, anyone who comes to Christ. Mm -hmm. God's not going to turn down anyone who comes to him. Right. Um, but I would look at that word draw and say that's more than just, just like an invitation. Mm -hmm. That's a forceful, I am bringing you to me. Well, he pursues. He pursues, right. you know, I mean, he's the, if the terminology hound of heaven, God, he pursues us not, the way I posted it was not like a bloodhound whose his purpose in the pursuit is to kill and destroy or to capture and destroy. But God, his pursuit is to uh, free his freedom and life. Right, but where we would disagree is, I don't believe God fails in that. I, I don't believe that God is searching for people, begging people to come, and there's nothing he can do about it because they said no. Um, but we're going to hold off on that a little more. <laughs> we are coming next year, notice, probably in January or February. Yes. <laughs> notice how I gave myself the last word on that, by the way. Well, um, you tried. <laughs> I mean, I don't agree, but, you know. Uh, but we're gonna actually going to get into this whole uh, debate. Uh, we have a several-part series we're working on. Uh, where I'm going to let the reins loose on Ray, hmm. um, and he's going to say his part. Um, okay, I have a question. Okay. Um, you and uh, Pastor White are going to be presenting the five parts, the the five points of the tulip. Is that a correct assumption? Um, we've gone to the five. Pastor White was only with us for one of those, but yeah. Okay. And so I'm going to be allowed the opportunity to speak to each one in just one podcast, or do I get five? Um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to negotiate. Okay. I'd say five minutes should be enough if you want you, all, all five. Okay, so what I'm getting at is I, I see a need for bribery here. <laughs> Free books. <laughs> no, we haven't decided how long we're going to do with that, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure you have enough time. 
okay. to, uh, to and, go through. And who gets to determine that? Yeah. And then you at the are, end of... You are, this is your show. Yes. I know. You pull rank on me whenever... But then at the end, you and I are going to discuss it. Okay. Um, and we also have another... Uh, we have a, um, a panel discussion that you and I took part in um, that we're going to be airing with that as well with some uh, differing views on that. Pastor White was a part of that as well. Oh, the one but in your classroom? The one in my classroom. With the Lutheran guy? Yeah. Yeah, I really liked him. He was he, he was very guy. engaging. So, so you have a lot to look forward to, and that fact that's going to be the next series we do. Uh, now that we have wrapped up our uh, our show on our series on misused Bible verses, we have a couple of um, different podcasts, different episodes, uh, not really series related, uh, and then we'll jump into that one probably again probably in January February. I still think we should do uh, at least a mention of a couple of things in the nativity story that are often mis- and misunderstood. Well, that could be our Christmas version. That's what I was so, thinking. Yeah. Okay. All right, so tune in for that on Christmas, or the Christmas week, actually. But until then, uh, we want to recommend the book that we've been talking about this whole time, The Most Misused Verses in the Bible, Surprising Ways God's Word is Misunderstood by Eric J. Barkerhoff. Two other books I wanted to throw in here that I found helpful just looking through this. Uh, Jonathan Aiken's commentary, uh, part of the Christ-centered exposition commentary on Proverbs, exalting Jesus in Proverbs, and then Max Anders' uh, section on Proverbs in the Holman Old Testament commentary mm. series. So, All right, well, Ray, we did it. We, did we finished. It. We went to the... I, again, Ray, Ray likes to laugh at me because I suggested we do this in one episode. <laughs> this has now been seven. So, well, we had 17 different verses, and you're like thinking yeah. you're going to... Punch that out in 30 minutes. Come on. Oh, well. All right. Well, thanks for listening. So don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and our Twitter at Basic Biblecast and Instagram at Basic Biblecast as well. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.